Hello and welcome to the REIT Report. I'm your host, Sarah Borg from Quito, and today we're taking an inside look at the logistics real estate market with my guest, Michael Gamzon, President and CEO of Indus Realty Trust. Michael, thanks so much for joining me today. Well, th- thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Now, until recently, Indus was known as Griffin Industrial Realty. Can you provide some background regarding the company's decision to undergo a rebranding alongside converting to a REIT? and how this sits in with your overall business strategy. Please, we've historically funded all our growth through internally generated funds and borrowings and had not issued equity to the public uh, other than from our spinoff and uh, realized that as we look to grow our business um, that we're going to want to be able to access the capital markets. And we think um, as we look at deals and growth that being in the REIT structure really uh, will open up are the opportunity to invest in us to other investors who are you know, re- and real estate focused. So it's really for us to be in the structure that looks like a lot of our, our peers. And so really our strategy today is to continue our growth uh, in the logistics space, really focused on high-growth supply-constrained markets that we think are well, you know, and, and look for well-located, flexibly designed properties in markets that we like to say have multiple drivers of demand. And what we mean by that are they can service local, regional, or what we call multi-market or national distribution. And we continue, we plan to continue to be an, an active developer, which has been a core of what we've done, and acquirer of assets of 75,000 to 400,000 square feet. And we think as a REIT, this really provides the ability to, to go out and seek capital to help support this growth. As we developed our strategy, uh, we thought converting to a REIT, uh, changing to sort of a, a faster growth alternative, give us the opportunity to rebrand uh, our company and to kind of indicate kind of a new path forward. And that's how we uh, decided to rebrand to Indus Realty Trust, also to emphasize that we are now a REIT structure versus the C-Corp within the name. Okay, great. And um, has COVID-19 forced the company to materially change any of its business plans? Yeah, it's a a good question. So initially in March, like many others, we sort of hunkered down and weren't really sure what what was going to happen. Uh, I think as all of us look forward to to today, I don't think any of us thought we'd be where we are today, Uh, still many people working remotely and everything else. But, But nonetheless, we didn't have a crystal ball either. And um, we also were inundated with rent relief requests. I think we talked about about 22% of tenants requested relief in some form or another in the kind of first month or so, uh, which is pretty much in line with what other industrial peers were uh, seeking. However, very quickly, all these relief requests, for the most part, just disappeared. Uh, you know, basically, we turned them down. The tenants continued to operate. Their businesses were sort of you know, critical businesses in the supply chain of keeping the economy going and things and uh, businesses operating. And so in the end, the impact to us on collections uh, and uh, credit issues were really de minimis. You know, we have a really strong portfolio, uh, tenants in our portfolio, um, you know, some very large companies, uh, submission critical operations for companies. So in the end, COVID had almost a negligible effect on any collections or payments. And so once we saw in kind of April, May that industrial was going to come through this okay and we were going to continue to receive uh, rent, we looked to be a little more aggressive. And 
you know, two things we did is one, we used the opportunity internally to kind of lock in existing tenants where we could to, to get uh, uh, lease extensions. So, for example, there is a Fortune 100 company with a very significant market cap that had asked for a little bit of rent uh, relief, basically um, kind of 50% rent deferrals for a couple months. Um, in exchange for that, we agreed to that, but in exchange for that, we got a five-year extension of their lease, which had two years left on it. So we ended up getting seven years with just an enormous high-quality credit company uh, out of it. So we, we took advantage of that opportunity. And then secondly, we really wanted to grow our business. And so we looked for acquisitions or, or opportunities to grow where, where there may be distress. And I think, as everyone would say, there really wasn't a lot of distress in industrial and so there weren't tons of opportunities out there, but we did take advantage of one situation where we looked at a land site in the Orlando market. Uh, another developer had tied up that site just ahead of us, and when COVID happened, that developer's financial partner backed out, and we were able to quickly uh, pick up that deal and are currently taking it through its approvals uh, right now. But that was one as an example of a deal that wasn't available to us that became available during COVID that we could take advantage of. And, you know, I think more generally industrial has experienced a tailwind from the pandemic. Everyone talks about the growth in e-commerce, uh, the increase for inventory redundancies, the so need for more space for that, and other factors. And so it's really just from a business strategy, just increase our conviction uh, to find the right development and acquisition opportunities in really in really good markets because we think there's a good tailwind uh, for the long term and we're sort of in the early days of um, growth in industrial. Right, so it sounds like operating conditions across your core markets are pretty consistent and pretty solid right now. Yeah, they they definitely are. You know, as I'd mentioned, the strong tailwinds in in industrial. And, um, you know, what we like to say is I think people focus a lot on e-commerce, and that's been a big driver of of uh, industrial. And I think people forget that there's a, a business-to-consumer aspect, but we also think about business-to-business deliveries. And kind of the analogy I've, I've used is sort of getting your car fixed. And it used to be you would go to um, the repair shop on a Wednesday, and they might tell you, look, we're, we're going to order this part. We'll get it come back on Tuesday, that's when we'll have the part and we can fix your car. And I think in today's world, no one, no one's going to wait five days for a part to fix their car. They expect it there you know, tomorrow or the next day. They're going to say, I can get everything I want from Amazon in, in half mm-hmm. a day. Why does it take five days? So I think not just kind of your traditional consumer e-commerce companies, but all companies are really focused on their supply chain, speeding up deliveries and having inventory available for deliveries. And we think that's really helped all the markets. Um, you know, we're currently in four markets, Central Connecticut, the Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania, Charlotte, and Orlando, and all are experiencing strong demand for logistics space. You know, in Connecticut, the market's really tight. You know, we have a tenant that was leaving because the adjacent tenant, we had agreed to, to an expansion into the other tenant space. You know, that tenant has struggled to find any space that's modern that meets their requirements in the submarket. So it's really tight there. Mm-hmm. The Lehigh Valley has been one of the best performing markets in the country. It's really a, a, one, of the, one of the top tier markets. You know, it's experienced rent growth of over 35% in the last five years, according to CBRE, and it's been one of the top in terms of absorption. 
So, you know, we've compiled a portfolio of over 1.3 million square feet in the core market there and feel really good about that, and that's fully leased. You know, Charlotte's another market where, again, it's been a really strong market over the past couple of years. I'd say it's one that's a little bit of a slowdown in the summer, but activity has really picked up in that market, and we're seeing a lot of inquiries on properties we have for both build-to-suit and leasing. And the last market we're in is Orlando, and I'd say – at the start of the pandemic, that market was the one that made me the most nervous. Uh, obviously, it's it's a big tourism, hospitality uh, market with the amusement parks, conventions, it's a vacation destination, all things that pretty much disappeared during the pandemic. And it's really surprised us as to the strength and demand we've seen in that market, given all those factors it's actually performing quite well, absorption's good, and tenant activity is really strong. So it, it's a long answer to say, frankly, it's a good time to be an industrial right now. And would you expect to remain within those core geographic markets that you mentioned? Yeah, I think our goal is to continue to grow within those four markets, but we also have a stated goal to really expand into a, a, a several other markets. Um, our strategy is really not to be in every market and just plant a flag in a whole bunch of markets, but to really be in a strong group of markets. So currently it's four, and we hope to increase that uh, going forward. Uh, as we've talked about, we're really focused on markets uh, with strong economic and population growth, uh, those that have supply constraints or barriers to entry for new industrial uh, and prime locations, and ones that I talked about before can serve multiple drivers of demand. You know, our focus so given those criteria, we've really focused in the southeast lately. So that's been a Charlotte, uh, Orlando. So we're looking at other markets in Florida. Given the dynamics, there's just been a strong migration of population to the southeast. Florida has done it exceptionally well because of its uh, tax state tax situation. And so we think that's a really good market for us uh, in general. But there's also plenty of really good cities in areas within the eastern seaboard that we focused on. Um, you know, we think there's plenty of places to play on the east coast, uh, which is where we're focused today, but doesn't mean we're going to continue to migrate over time. And you mentioned development earlier. What do you have on the books the coming year? Uh, you know, development, as I mentioned, is really the core of what we've done in our history, and it's really in our in our blood. You know, we think this is how we approach even acquisitions is with kind of a development mindset. Um, and so we currently have four projects in our pipeline. Uh, the first is a 100,000-square-foot building in the Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania. Um, the second site we own is in Charlotte. We think this site is really one of the best-located industrial sites in all of Charlotte. It's in the north submarket, which typically gets the highest rent of the major submarkets and has the lowest vacancy. We assembled this from five different uh, parcels and needed to rezone the bulk of it from residential to industrial, which we accomplished. And uh, as I mentioned, we think it's it's in high demand. It's one we plan to start on spec, spec development, but we've seen some initial inquiries for a potential build-to-suit or pre-leasing activity, so we're really excited about that opportunity and moving that forward. It was originally designed for 520,000 square feet. I mentioned earlier that the land we picked up in Orlando during uh, COVID, that is going through its entitlement, and we hope to close on that in the spring of this year and then commence speculative development on two buildings totaling 200,000 square feet located right near the airport. 
And the last site is one also in the Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania for 200,000 square feet. And this is one we're going through the approvals right now that we hope to secure final approvals uh, later this year. We're really excited about that site. It's an interesting process. It's located right adjacent to the minor league baseball park in the Lehigh Valley. And frankly, it's one where the owners of the baseball park really care a lot about who is going to be their neighbor. Uh, they obviously have an image and, uh, and a use of their facility that they wanted to make sure whoever their whoever their neighbor was was not going to be adverse to that. So uh, they told us they picked us after a process uh, because of our reputation of doing what we say and being long-term owners, even though we frankly weren't the highest bidder for that site. So we're really excited about the developments we have coming forward. We think they're all really well located and will be really well received by the market. And when we build all those, it will add about based on their plans, would add about 25% to our total square feet. So it would be a, a real increase in growth for us. And finally, is there anything else about Indus or market trends that you think we should know? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I think I'd start with the market. And as I think about it, and I want to touch on something I said earlier, is, is there, there's some views out there in the market that 2021 might be a little bit of a letdown from 2020 on the industrial space because there was so much pull forward of sort of e-commerce demand and absorption. And what, what we think is that there's more legs to the story. You know, Amazon, I think, was a huge percentage. I think I've seen statistics uh, up to a quarter of the absorption of, tw of industrial space or new, new development in 2020, and that's going to be hard to repeat. You know, I think the other piece to that, though, is there's lots of other retailers who I don't think want to just give up and let Amazon take all their business and I think you're going to recognize they need they also will need facilities closer to customers and closer to population. So I think there's another leg to the other retailers taking space uh, going forward to meet shorter delivery times. And then as I said, I think there's just a general uh, non-consumer demand that's out there that, that isn't getting all the um, press, but I think is going to continue to grow as people uh, adjust their supply chains as well as if the economy uh, continues to grow, that's going to drive industrial demand as well. So I think those are just some things to keep in mind, we think, as to why the sector still has uh, a lot of potential. And then for Indus, I think it's we're in a great sector and that we think we present a differentiated opportunity than some of the other industrial players. You know, I think the first thing is is our is our development mindset, which I mentioned earlier. You know, at our core, we buy buildings and not leases, we like to say. So meaning we're buying really good quality assets in really good locations. So we're not just buying something that's well leased to a high credit tenant. We want to make sure we have a great building that in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, we think still going to be in a great location and releasable to another great tenant after another great tenant. And that secondly, we have a really highly focused strategy. You know, we think of ourselves as sharpshooters and with that, we're not just asset, gather, asset gatherers or aggregators. You know, we're very targeted in the markets we're going to look at, which I talked about earlier. And then we're very targeted to find the right assets in those markets. And that can be development or acquisition of buildings, uh, vacant, value-add, or stabilized buildings. And then last is we have an advantage of being small. Uh, we can show much faster growth um, than our peers just by adding a few things or can completing our development pipeline I mentioned before. 
we can leverage our infrastructure so our existing GNA as a public company and a REIT is not going to grow nearly as fast as we believe our uh, our NOI and FFO can grow. And, uh, you know, it doesn't take a lot to move the needle for us, whether it's one acquisition or a couple acquisitions or a couple of developments. Those all have a material impact to us. So we think it's a, we have we present a really interesting opportunity to uh, investors out there, and we're really just in summary really excited and optimistic about our future and our growth. Great, Michael. Thanks so much for taking time to speak with me today. Uh, thank you, and uh, please stay well and and good luck with everything at uh, Navy. Great, thank you, Michael. And to our listeners, to hear more episodes of the REIT Report, you can visit REIT.com or subscribe on iTunes.